Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And good Sunday evening. My name is Howie Silbiger. Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in and the number to call 1-877-669-1292. That's 1-877-669-1292 to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. You can always download the True Talk Radio Network app by going to your favorite app store and searching for the True Talk Radio Network app. It's right there in your favorite app store. And of course, of course, you could subscribe to the podcast, the Howie Silberger Show podcast. And that uh, that subscription could be done through any podcasting service. We are we are listed with all the podcasting services, and you could listen to us on your smart devices. So just tell Alexa or Google to play the Howie Silberger Show, and they should be able to find us. So you see, there's a lot of ways to listen to the Howie Silberger Show. Never miss an episode. There's no reason to. You could play us on demand. You could listen to us live. You could take part in the show. The Howie Silberger Show is here for you to be part of. So join me on the air, 1-877-669-1292. So I was driving down the street, and uh, and I took a look, and you know, there's billboards everywhere, and I, I took a look at one of these billboards, and it was advertising this uh, legacy, something, a legacy television show. And I was like, what is a legacy television show? And I read the billboard a little closer, and the billboard told me that the legacy television show is a show that is that is dedicated to, to, to celebrating the art and the, uh, the talent of black performers. And I stopped and I thought about it for a second. I said, mm, that's interesting. For years, for, 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 for years and years and years, blacks fought for desegregation. They were segregated. There was, uh, there was racism happening in, in the southern United States, mostly. And blacks fought to be desegregated. They wanted, they wanted to be equal in schools. I, I, Martin Luther King got up and he made these these impassionate speeches, talking about freedom and equality for all, talking about all men shouldn't be judged based on the color of their skin, but on the integrity of their character. Uh, these quotes are are, are 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 branded into my brain. And now the black community is voluntarily. Resegregating themselves. They're reversing desegregation. Now, racism is the discrimination of people, the, the, the judging of people based on the color of their skin. So if, if I choose to vote for someone based on their color of skin or choose to hire someone based on their color of skin or choose to give somebody special privilege based on their color of their skin and choose not to give somebody else special privilege based on their color of their skin, uh, that's called racism. And segregation is racism. So Harvard University having a all-black dormitory and an all-black graduation and an all-white dormitory and an all-white graduation, to me, fits into the definition of racism. And why are we allowing universities that charge hundreds of thousands of dollars for people to be there over the course of X amount of years why are we allowing these universities to be racist? Why is there not a big uproar about this? Why do we have special shows 
highlighting one color of people and their achievements and why aren't they just included in these shows that celebrate everybody's achievement? This kind of this kind of thing, and I know people will tell me, "Look, how you know, what are you talking about?" You know, the uh, the idea is that uh, we we are we have equality. The, the the idea is that that everybody can celebrate their own culture, and there should be no cultural appropriation, and everybody should just be celebrating their own culture. I disagree with that. That's not the way it should be. We should all be celebrating each other's culture. If we want to say that we're a desegregated society, if we want to say we're a society that accepts everyone and everything, as the as the um, the woke people tell me, then we shouldn't be segregating people. We shouldn't be breaking people up into categories. We shouldn't be saying if you're going to tell me, and and many people have, that there are no men, no women. There's no such thing as gender, and and there's no such thing. Uh, you know, it's a social construct. If that is the case, that gender and um, and we have to throw science out the window and say that gender and 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 uh, and and is a social construct, then how could we possibly, how could we possibly allow segregation? How could we possibly say that black people and white people are so different? that they can't go to a graduation together, are so different that they can't share a dormitory together. We're going back to 1950s Jim Crow laws. And that's really scary, if you ask me. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in 1-877-669-1292. That's 1-877-669-1292. That's the number to call to get in on the conversation right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I, I, I believe in desegregation. I believe we are, we're all created equally and that uh, nobody should be discriminated against based on the color of their skin. I, we have no choice on, on what color we're born. And, and it's irrelevant what color you're born. I, I couldn't care less if you were born black, white, red, green, yellow, purple, any color. It doesn't matter. I only care if you're a good person. If you're a good person, then I care to be friends with you and I care to, 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 to talk to you and I care to hang out with you. If you're not a good person, it doesn't matter what color you are, I really, I really don't care to be part of you or be around you. I only want to be around good people. So, so segregating or desegregating, uh, well, segregating universities is just leading to, you see, this is, this is how destabilization of, of society happens. When we segregate universities, we're teaching students and we're telling students it's okay to be separate. It's okay to say that that my culture has to be with each other and that culture has to be with each other. It's going back to the Jim Crow era. Our universities are dragging us backwards. I said this before. I, I took a university degree not that long ago. I finished another university degree just a couple of years ago. And when I was uh, when I was doing an intro to literature course, it's one of my favorite uh, stories when I, from from the university days. Uh, just just a couple of years ago, I was doing an intro to literature course, and I walked into the, there was the professor that gave the course, and then there was the uh, teaching assistant that uh, gave a smaller class. So if you didn't understand what the professor was talking about, you went to the teacher's assistant. Anyway, it was all compulsory; you had to go to it all. Fine. The first class of the teacher's, um, the teaching assistant's uh, class, her lab, the teaching assistant got up and said, hey, listen, you know, in this room, 
We are all equals. There is no gender. There is no pronouns. There is no. Uh, there's no. There's no talk about sex. There's no talk about anything. You have to be polite to each other. This is a totally safe zone. And I looked at this person who was who was leading the, uh, the the discussion, and I realized that on university campuses, people actually buy into this ridiculous philosophy. I looked around the class, and the whole class, they were all shaking their heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, that's true. That's true. We, we, we have to be a totally safe zone, a total, total safe zone. I said, all right. I mean, I come from a different generation. Maybe I'm outdated. Maybe I'm getting old. I know I'm getting old. But maybe I'm getting too old to understand the lunacy of today. And I'm sure generation, the generation before me said, maybe I'm too old to understand the lunacy of today when I was growing up, and, and, and so on and so on and so on. I think it's normal that as you get older, you don't understand the lunacy of the youth. I think that's part of, part of growing up. Fine, whatever, we're good. A couple of weeks later, the professor introduces feminist literature. And it hit me right there. When a professor got up and said, okay, today we're talking about feminist literature. Feminist literature is written by females from the female perspective. Wait a second, that's gender. Wait a second, I thought men and women don't exist. That's what I was told in the teacher's assistance class. How could you be teaching me the perspective of something that doesn't exist? It's extremely confusing. So when we got to the teacher's assistance class, I said to the teacher's assistant, I asked her a question. I said, how can we be talking about feminist literature if females don't exist, if there's no gender? There's no men, there's no woman. So what would be the difference between male literature and female literature? And you know what her answer was? She threw me out of class. That was her answer. She threw me out of class. If you're going to be a disruptor here and you're not going to, uh, you're not going to take part in the, uh, in the discussion, in the proper discussion that we're trying to have in this course, you could just leave right now. So when you challenge them on their lunacy, you challenge the, the, the complete ridiculousness of the argument that's made, what do you get? You get punished. So you have to accept the fact that we're going back to Jim Crow racism. You have to accept the fact that we are throwing, we are throwing science in the garbage. You have to accept the fact that we are no longer, we are no longer using common sense or logic when we discuss anything and you have to go with the flow. It doesn't work for me and I get into a lot of trouble when I speak on, on the show. Uh, we've, been, we've been banned from, from YouTube a couple of times already because I see things on the show that YouTube doesn't agree with and so they ban us because freedom of speech doesn't exist anymore in social media. You're not allowed saying things that, 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 that you believe are true. Uh, I've never claimed this is a news show. This is an opinion show. So I say things that are my opinion. If you agree with my opinion, that's fine. If you disagree with my opinion, you feel free to call in. You don't have to agree with everything I say. But do I have the right to say it? Do I have the right to publish it on a platform where people could watch it? I should have that right. But YouTube doesn't give me that right if I talk about certain things that they don't like. So, so it's a, it's a cash 22. We're living in a world which is, which is really strange and, and weird, but we're not allowed criticizing it or talking about it or even, even mentioning it with the fear of getting canceled. 
I could lose my job. I could, uh, I could, I could lose my platform. I could lose everything that I've worked so hard to build with the, with, with, with the uttering of two or three lines. It's a scary world we live in. It's a really, really scary world. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. The last time we saw this, last time we saw something like this, as Fanny points out in the uh, in the comments, was when Joe McCarthy was alive. He he was the senator who attacked people for believing in communism. Whether you believed in communism or didn't, didn't really matter. If he accused you of believing in communism, of being a communist supporter, your career was over. We're back to that. We're back to that. And and the sad part about the whole thing is that the people who buy into the whole woke philosophy, the whole the whole wokeness, people who buy into this, don't realize that they're racist. Don't realize, or or if they do realize, don't care that their philosophy is racist. It's sexist. It's ageist. It, it's it's everything they 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 allegedly stand against. And that's the that's the scary part about the whole thing. Here are people screaming that you know we we stand for equality. We believe everybody has the right to do everything. We believe everything. We believe in everything. And then they don't believe in, in tolerance. They don't believe in acceptance. They don't believe that difference of opinion could exist. They don't believe in 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 anything really. Really, it's like it's like a big atheist movement. But atheism, not, not, not so much for God, but atheism for everything. It's quite scary. It really is quite scary. one 1292 That's one 1292 Join me in conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. So I'm really surprised, and, and I'm awfully surprised, that, that the woke movement hasn't attacked the Queen so the queen died a couple of last week, maybe a week ago, and uh, and the woke movement's been pretty quiet about the queen. Now here's a queen who represents uh, a totalitarianism. Here's a queen who represents uh, who represents expansionism. Here's a queen who represents uh, imperialism. And the woke movement's been pretty quiet about the queen. Now I, I I personally don't care too much about the queen. I can't for the life of me understand why. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are lining up to walk by a dead woman's bo- uh, coffin. Doesn't make sense to me, but then again, that's just me. And uh, a lot of things don't make sense to me in this world. And so uh, I, I just go with it. I, I'll live with it. I, I accept it. I mean, this is what it is. Fine. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not logical to me, but that's okay. Nothing, you know, in, in the world, nothing has to be logical. We, we live in a world of e-logic, so logical stuff doesn't make sense to me either. Stuff that's allegedly logic. So this apparently is a uh, is a, is a logical thing. <laughs> okay, whatever. People are standing forty eight hours, forty eight hours, not allowed to sit, not allowed to take a picture, not allowed to do anything. Uh, just stand in line for forty eight hours. This forty eight hour wait to walk for thirteen seconds by a coffin. It seems kind of ludicrous, if you if you ask me. Why would somebody want to do that? Now, if you can explain this to me, please do so. Call me, one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I don't understand why somebody would want to do this. What what would what would be the motivation of an average person to stand for forty eight hours in line with with no food and can't take pictures, can't talk on the phone, a hundred thousand rules of, of what you can and can't do. What would, what would compel anybody to want to go and do this? 
maybe maybe there's a reason. I don't I I can't figure it out. I don't know what the reason could possibly be. So if you do one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two, you could you could enlighten me, because uh, I I need a little bit of enlightenment. I you know I I live in a world where we're of darkness. We're living in a world of darkness. So a little bit of light in the world of darkness would would come in handy, I guess. It just seems awfully strange that that average everyday people would want to do this, especially since the queen, especially since the queen, was not really a a, a woman of the people. I mean, royalty is not people of the people; they're, they're royalty. They're they're they they they're above the people. They feel that they're they're worth more than the people. So I I don't get it. Uh, let's go to the phones. Fanny, hi. Hey, Howie, how you doing? I am good. How are you, Fanny? Not too bad for Sunday night, and that's my my question. What do you think about Legault not making tomorrow a national holiday in Quebec while the other provinces are? Okay, so we're part of the Commonwealth, and Quebec is part of Canada. Um, if the entire Commonwealth, and that's every country that's part of the Commonwealth, I think there's 20 countries part of the Commonwealth, are making Monday a national holiday, uh, I think Quebec should have gone with it. Uh, I understand Quebec wants to be nationalist, and I understand that Quebec wants to be distinct. I, I get the, I get what they're trying to do. But at the same time, they're still part of Canada. As long as they're part of Canada, part of the Commonwealth, as long as they're part of the Commonwealth, they should be following the, um, they should be following the, the traditions of the Commonwealth. That's, that's my opinion. Agreed. Um, I saw, however, today many buildings that have uh, Canadian and Quebec flags flying at half-mast. Um, but uh, but the government really should fall into line and say, hey, listen, you know, as long as we're part of Canada, we have to follow the traditions of Canada. Canada's part of the Commonwealth, therefore we have to follow the Commonwealth tradition. But didn't the feder- can't the federal government call it a federal holiday and be done with it? They did. And the provinces still have a, uh, Quebec, a right Quebec to... opted Quebec opted out. You know, the provinces run themselves. So the the Canadian government runs the Canadian government. The provinces run themselves. So Quebec also opted out of uh, out of uh, Remembrance and Reconciliation Day for for the Aboriginals, and Quebec uh, Quebec doesn't follow that day either. So the entire country closes down that day, and Quebec doesn't. Quebec doesn't have a family day like Ontario has Family Day. Uh, Quebec doesn't have a family day. They they've opted no, we have out of family that. laws. <laughs> they, they've opted out of that. So the provinces could opt out of uh, out of different different uh, national holidays if they want to, and uh, unfortunately, Quebec has a dictatorial government, who, um, who whose goal, by the way, is separation. That's been their goal from day one. Although nobody wanted to admit it or believe it when they were first elected, so their goal is separation. So the more they separate from Canada, the more they move away from Canadian tradition, the more they reach a goal, at least in their minds. Uh, what do you think about uh, the coming up elections in Bill 96? So Bill 96 How? is a huge problem for a lot of people for, uh, for very many different reasons. Um, my, my, my bigger concern, more than Bill 96, is Bill 21. Now, nobody's talking about Bill 21, but Bill 21 is the most racist law passed in Canada in the last 50 years. And nobody ca- seems to care about that one. So so I, I'm more opposed to Bill 21 than I am to Bill, tw- Bill, uh, Bill 96. I- I haven't heard of Bill 21. What is it? That is that spans uh, people wearing religious gear from being part of a uh, oh, part of yeah. uh, uh, part of the government or or an employee of the government. So you can't be a teacher, a doctor, a uh, right. a, a a lawyer, a judge, a police officer if you're wearing any kind of religious uh, symbol. Uh, 
Right, how quickly we forget. So I understand that um, that the government wants to be a secular government. That's fine. And uh, and they want all their citizens to be, to be I don't know, secular. I have no idea what their goal is. But um, but eliminating uh, eliminating a good portion of your citizenship and not allowing them to work for to work in in certain careers it just rubs me the wrong way as a Jewish person because we've seen this before and we've seen where it ends and I'm just not I'm just not happy at the beginning of it and I'd hate to see where it's going to lead. Yeah, no kidding. We really need to be careful how we vote this time, don't we? We do, we do. Uh, look, this government uh, says that they're not they're not looking to separate the country. They want a new deal within Canada. We've heard that before, too. Uh, the idea is that Francois Legault was a Parti Québécois cabinet minister from the beginning of the Parti Québécois until he left the Parti Québécois to form Air Transat, uh, to become a businessman. And throughout that entire time, he was an, a starch separatist. He wants a you know an independent Quebec a Quebec country, that was his that was his thing. So uh, a leopard doesn't change its skin, right? His stripes, his dots, his spots. Yeah, a leopard doesn't change its spots. So I mean, they might they might they might um, they might hide it. They 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 might camouflage it, but they don't change it. No. So when Legault was running as uh, as the leader of the CAQ, as the leader of the CAC, I um. I said the same thing right here on the show. I said the exact same thing. I said, listen, this guy has a proven track record of pushing for separation. I mean, he was one of the biggest, staunchest uh, supporters of the referendum uh, in, the, in the 90s and in the, uh, in the 80s. And so to think that he wasn't going to go, he was going to change his opinion on, how <laughs> Qu- on, 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 on Quebec and on, on the separation and the, and the liberation of the Quebec people from Canada. Um, no kidding. Uh, you have to be pretty naive to believe that. Yeah. So, so now he's doing it. He's doing it smartly, though. Now he's doing it from within. He said, "Okay, we're not going to have a separation uh, referendum, but you know what? We could change the country from within. We could change the province from within, and eventually we'll be able to separate from Canada because we'll change everything internally, and then you know, then naturally we'll have to break off. I mean, it's it's a half a dozen one or a dozen of the other." Yeah, I'm ready to call the moving van in a few years. <laughs> I'm telling you, if if all this goes through, it's really going to be bad. Well, it all went it's through already. Good for Anglos. It's gone through already. Bill 96 was passed. So uh, anybody, any immigrant coming into Quebec has to send their kids to French school. And if you're a foreign worker and you have a visa, when your visa expires, that's it. They're not renewing the visa to uh, to do you know the exemptions to Bill you- 101. Do you think that if a new government comes in that they could reverse some of these things? They can. A new government, if a new government came in with a strong, with a strong showing, they can reverse some of them. The question is, will they? The liberal government has been, uh, the liberal party of Quebec has been very, very, very double-faced when it comes to human rights and comes to English rights in the province. Don't forget, they were the ones who uh, who drafted the first language laws, right? So, uh, and, and they're the ones who put in provisions uh, to this language law, to Bill ninety six, to the revision of the Bill one hundred one, Bill ninety six that came out. They're the ones who put in the provisions that made it much harder for English CJEPs to accept English people, much harder for English CJEPs to, uh, to to force English CJEPs to teach core courses in French. It, it was the Liberal government, the the CAQ government didn't have that in there. The Liberal government put in those amendments. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. And, and and they were proposed by 
the uh, the liberal the liberal member of, uh, of of the National Assembly from Darcy McGee, Mr. David Birnbaum. Oh yeah, I remember him. So he's the one who is proposed. He, is, he run, is he running again? No, because he realized that uh, once he proposed a stronger French stronger French rules for English sea jeps, uh, he he pretty much lost the. Uh, I don't know, the support of his constituency, who is mostly English? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he decided right. he wasn't going to run again because I, I, he was going to lose, that's for sure. Smart idea. Yeah. So I, I don't understand why, why English people keep voting for the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party has pretty much killed themselves, in my view. Now, there are what of, about this uh, Joel Valorama? Uh, Valorama, Valorama. Oh, Valorama Block Montreal? Yeah. Okay, so the Block Montreal Party, in my opinion, is a... Um, now, this is just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. Is, uh, you know, Ballarama ran for for federal politics. He ran for mayor of Montreal. And now he's running for provincial politics. He hasn't been able to win at all, ever, anywhere. Uh, yeah, I we, know. Uh, so so his his run for, for, uh, for, for provincial politics, the Block Montreal Party, uh, is it's a one-trick pony. It was like the Equality Party, a one-trick pony. So yeah. So so you come in based on that. You know, we'll fight for the English rights. You get in there, you realize you have no power to fight because you know the power is in numbers, right? Number of seats is power. Yeah. So you realize you have no power to fight, and then you fall apart like the Equality Party. That's what happened. They got in once, they they fell apart because they had no power. There was nothing they could do. They couldn't live up to their promises because they had no power within the National Assembly. So so voting for these offshoot parties. Uh, probably is not the uh, the way to go. So who do you vote for? I don't know. The Conservative Party of Quebec. They're they're relatively new. Uh, their um their leader, the leader of the Conservative Party of Quebec, has been um has has been involved in every other party around. So he he worked for the Party Quebecois. He worked for the Liberal Party, and now he's part of the Conservative Party. So so where are his loyalties? I have no idea. He doesn't either. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So do you want to really vote for somebody who's shaky on their loyalties? I don't know. Right? Then there's the People Party of Canada, whatever that is. Um, so so, so you, know, you you got all these splinter parties. And it reminds me of Israeli elections where you have uh, 500 parties running for the same seats. And, yeah. and And then what happens is the vote splits among all these parties. And then the party that you don't want to win ends up getting into power because, because you've split the vote 100,000 times. Yeah. If all these small parties decided to get together and actually and actually work together as a block saying, hey, listen, we're standing for English rights. We're standing for uh, not even English rights. We're standing for human rights. We're standing against the notwithstanding clause that, that overrides the Charter of uh, Rights and Freedoms. And, and we're standing together as a unified force, all of us as one. They might have a bigger chance of winning. True. Interesting but, conversation, Howie. How come you're on on a Sunday night? Why not? Sounds the, like a great idea. The studio's here. The uh, streaming service is here. Uh, I'm here, so why not? <laughs> what about yeah, well, you know what? After a week of replays, we deserve a Sunday night live with <laughs> yeah. Howie Silberger. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't like playing replays, to be honest. I'm not, I'm not a big replay guy. Um, I like doing live shows. I like taking calls. I like being part. I like I like actually talking about current events. But uh, sometimes things happen, and you you, you can't be here. So, so that's right. And so, that's how life rolls, doesn't it? Uh, so replays happen sometimes, but uh, I, I try not to do them too often. 
Uh, well, like I said, we got an extra Sunday night. That's it. Thank you so much for calling in, Fanny. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Bye, you Howie. Too. Bye. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. We are heard live every single night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights at ten p.m. This is a special Sunday night show. I'm usually not on Sunday nights. Uh, tonight I decided to come on because why not? <laughs> that's that's the reason. I Fanny just asked me, and I'm telling you the truth. I came on because. Why wouldn't I come on? The studio's here. I had some time. Studio's here. I'm here. Uh, you're there, so might as well come on and do a show. That's that's the only reason I'm doing a Sunday night show. But uh, thank you for asking that question, and uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. You know, for 18 years, I did a show on Sunday night on Radio Shalom. 18 years. And, uh, and it was fun. It was fun. I did a show every night. I did a show on Sundays. And it was a lot of fun. I love I love doing this this show. I, I really love this show. So here I am. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. All right. So let's go back to the Queen. I am I am really not a fan of the royal family. And there are many reasons why I'm not a fan of the royal family, but two of the reasons that I want to uh, to, to share with you, at least, is the the anti-Jewism that this family has shown over the years. Now, not may, maybe not necessarily the queen herself. Her husband was a Nazi uh, Nazi supporter. Her grandson, Prince Harry, showed up uh, showed up to a couple of events dressed in a Nazi uniform with a swastika and all. And and this bothers me. This bothers me to uh, to to an extent. I've said it before that that you know people who display Nazi uh, Nazi propaganda, people who publish Nazi propaganda, people who who show swastikas or walk around with swastika flags, don't bother me all that much. I don't think that they are going to influence too many people to join the Nazi movement. Uh, but but when the royal family. Who's so revered, so revered that hundreds of thousands of people are now lined up for 48 hours, standing in line to see a coffin for five seconds. That's how revered the royal family is, that people are crazy enough to stand in line with no food, with, with no pictures, with uh, you can't sit down, you have to stay standing. All these crazy rules that the royal family put onto these people standing in line waiting to see a coffin. So if so many people are going to line up and follow these crazy rules and stand there for two days and three days waiting to see a coffin. This family is so revered that when members of this family express hatred towards the Jewish people and hatred towards the state of Israel, as King Charles III has in the past, we have to be a little wary of the royal family. Now, some will argue that the royal family has no power, and that's relatively true. They, they they really don't influence much when it comes to politics. They don't really influence much when it comes to power. But at the same time, we have to understand that the role of the royalty, the role of the royal family within the Commonwealth, within all the Commonwealth countries, is that they have to approve every single law. They have to sign off on everything. So every law passed in Canada, in, in Australia, and in some of the other countries, has to be signed off by the governor general. So if the governor general doesn't like the law, if the queen's representative doesn't like the law, the law does not pass. 
it's written into it's written into our lawmaking uh, into our lawmaking uh, procedures. So the queen has to prove all our laws as head of state. She has to prove our laws now. It's the king. The king has to prove all the laws. Uh, so so, in one point, in one in one aspect, I I really don't like the royal family because uh, because they they have there's no practical as there's no practical reason that they exist, and not only is there no practical, they're so dysfunctional that it's it's crazy, and they're anti-Jewish on top of it all, so so that doesn't that doesn't really appeal to me too much. But in the same in the same breath, I'm going to say that I like to live in a functional society, and without the queen's representative or the king's representative, uh, the governor general, signing off on my laws and the laws of my country, uh, my my country's laws can't pass. So so it's a double edged sword. I hate them, but but I need them, right? Uh, I personally, if I was living in in the United Kingdom, I personally would not be standing and waiting to go and see the Queen's casket. It's not something I would be doing. I don't care enough about the monarchy. I don't care enough about the Queen to to stand in line to to walk by her casket. Now, I know some people are doing it just to say, you know, for bragging rights. Hey, I walk by the Queen's casket, uh, and that's good for you. Good for you. I'm I'm happy for you. Not the kind of thing that I would ever do. Uh, teach his own, I guess. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. I do not believe, not for one second, I do not believe that there is a reason to. I'm just trying to find a way to say this without insulting somebody or anybody. And, you know, it's very hard when you're doing a, uh, a talk show not to insult people. Uh, so so I'm just trying to find a way to phrase this so that uh, so I don't insult people and so that YouTube doesn't pull the show off again, as, as they tend to do when I say things like this. Uh, I don't believe that there is any reason for anybody, for anybody at all, to support the federal government. I, I don't believe that the federal government should still be standing. I, I think the government should fall. And I think that it is a um, it is a crime against Canadians that the Trudeau government is still in power. I think that it is a crime against Canadians that there are still people who, who vote for Trudeau government, who, who vote for, 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 this, for this prime minister, and who still want this prime minister in power. Now, I don't normally talk about Canadian politics on the show. This is not something I do on a regular basis. But I really believe that since the Trudeau government, you know, first of all, had all these scandals that we, we know about and the scandals that we don't know about that were hidden under carpet, the Trudeau government that shut down inquests into itself, the Trudeau government that refused to use disallowance to stop racist laws passed in Quebec. I, I don't believe this guy should be in power anymore. Now, one might argue that no government's ever used this allowance with Quebec because they're afraid that Quebec will, will get up and, oh, the Canadian government's getting into our, uh, into our business and then they will rally people to separate from Canada. But you know what? I, I really think that we're at a point in history where the Canadian government should just say, all right, Quebec, you want to separate? Go. Go your own way. 
We'll survive without you. Go become your own country and fail as a country. And that's 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 what the Canadian government should do. We we don't care if you leave. Canadian government, the uh, the, the <laughs> if you look back at Canadian history, you'll see that Canadian history has two aspects to it. One aspect is self-preservation, fighting against attacks from the British and fighting against attacks from the Americans. And number two in Canadian history is pandering to Quebec. These are the only two things that, that have ever been done in Canadian history. So anybody who learns Canadian history in, uh, in, in high school learns two things. That the Canadian government, that the, uh, that the rest of Canada panders to Quebec because Quebec is a big crybaby and has been a crybaby for 200 years. And that the, that, that, that and that the, um, that, that Quebec, Quebec is, is supposed to be independent and, and distinct. They are independent, distinct. I agree with that. They're distinctly racist and independently trying to ruin the lives and livelihoods of the people who don't speak French in the country. That's I agree 100%. They're independent and distinct. It's not something they should be proud of, but here we are. So the um, the the premier of Quebec, who's trying to get reelected, and it looks like he will be, uh, has has made an announcement yesterday. And what was his announcement? That he was putting a a couple of hundred million dollars into protecting the religious heritage of the province. So what does that mean? What is the religious heritage of the province? He was standing in front of an empty church and he said, we're going to pay money to, we're going to give money to organizations that preserve old churches. Because although we are a secular province, we are still, um, you know, the churches and the church is still part of our collective history. Okay. So let me get this straight. A, a government that is not allowing it's not allowing people who wear crosses to go into uh, to to work as a judge to work as a lawyer to work as a teacher to work as a police officer in the province of Quebec is now going to preserve churches with crosses on them because that's cultural heritage seems a little odd to me Seems a little hypocritical to me. Seems 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 quite 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 bizarre to me. I don't know if it's bizarre to you, but it's it's bizarre to me. Uh, you know, if you disagree with me, call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Love to hear from you. But it just seems a little hypocritical to me. How could we possibly? How could we possibly say that I'm going to preserve a church? I'm going to spend millions of tax-paying dollars. To preserve a, a an institution, to preserve a building where people go to pray, but I'm not going to let somebody who prays work in the government. How is this at all? At all? How does this make sense at all? How, how, how do we reconcile this? And, and should we? Should we even be thinking about this? I mean, it's a campaign province, so it probably will never happen. But the idea that this promise was made makes me think that there are many Quebec people who care about the old church, who care about maintaining the historical aspect of the church, maintaining the uh, the historical connection to the church. And if that's the case, and if many Quebecers are still religious or loyalist to the church, then should we not 
reconsider a law that bans people who wear religious symbols from teaching in schools, from being police officers, from being judges and lawyers. It just seems hypocritical. I never understood Bill 21 anyway. I wear a keep. I wear a yarmulke right here. You see, you see it's on my head. I wear a yarmulke. If I take the yarmulke off my head, does that mean I've totally forgotten what my religious values are? Does that mean that I've totally given up on my religion? Because in order for me to work at a public school, if I want to be a teacher in a public school, in order for me to get a job as a teacher in a public school, I have to remove my yarmulke. I can't go to work with my yarmulke on. Okay, fine. So I take my keep off and I, I go to work. No problem. Does that make me less of a Jew? Does that make me less religious than I am right now? Does that make me forget all my values and all my and all the Torah I learned over the years? Does that make me does that make me um, uh, an atheist or a secularist? Of course not. If a Muslim woman removes her hijab and decides to go to work and removes her hijab to go to work, does that make her less of a Muslim? And what if there's a woman who's working who's not a Muslim who decides to put on a headdress just because she feels it's fanciful? What if uh, I put on a cross? I don't believe in Christianity. I'm wearing a religious symbol of, of, a, of a religion I don't agree with or I don't, I don't believe in. Is it, is it less... Uh, does that make me, does that make me a, a, a danger to the students? So Frank says it's about the student's perception of the teacher. So the student's perception of the teacher, if I'm a good teacher and I'm teaching the curriculum and I'm not talking about religion, I'm not talking about God, I'm just teaching them math or teaching them history or teaching them science or teaching them English or teaching them French, uh, the student's perception of the teacher is going to be my teacher is a good teacher. It's not going to be, hey, my teacher wears a kippah, therefore he's a horrible person. It's not going to be that my teacher, uh, my teacher's a religious person, so therefore I have to, I have to pray to Allah six times a day. That's not going to happen. If I'm a competent, qualified teacher, and I'm hired to teach a subject, I am not inserting my personal views or my personal religion into that subject. I'm doing that. I'm doing that in uh, I'm doing that on my radio show. I'm not doing that in school. I'm not doing that uh, I'm not doing that to the children. So the perception of the teacher is how the teacher comports himself or herself in front of the class. And I haven't heard of one case, not even one, in all the years that uh, they've been discussing this. I haven't heard of one case where 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 they where they said, "Ah, here's a teacher that's been pushing religion in the classroom." There has been one case of that. If I'm a police officer and I'm wearing a yarmulke as a police officer and I'm upholding the law, then why can't I wear my kippah? I'm just doing my job. My job is to uphold the law. If I understand the law and I'm upholding the law, how does wearing a kippah change whether I'm, whether I'm a good police officer or a bad police officer? It shouldn't. It doesn't. So this is my problem with this, uh, with this, with this stupid law. It doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. The keeper proclaims your beliefs. Okay, fine. The keeper proclaims my beliefs. Everybody knows I'm a Jew. I'm wearing a keeper. Everybody knows I'm Jewish. Congratulations. You figured it out. I'm a Jew. I'm still upholding the law. I'm still teaching the curriculum. I'm still arguing to the judge 
or making a decision based on the law, not based on my personal beliefs. So I don't care if you know what I believe, that you know that I am a religious person of faith. How does that change what I'm doing, how, how I'm doing my job? And how does me taking off the kippah change how I'm doing my job? Because if I take off my kippah and I'm still I'm a teacher or I'm a doctor or my or I'm a lawyer or I'm a judge, I'm going to do the job exactly the same way as if I'm wearing it. So how does wearing the kippah change the fact? Change, change, change any perception of me. So they're going to look at me and say, "Oh, oh well, look, he's not wearing a kippah. He's not a religious person." What's the difference from religious or not? If I'm if I'm not if I'm not teaching religion, if I'm not preaching the gospel, what's the difference whether I'm a religious person or not? Who cares? It's totally irrelevant. My personal beliefs are totally irrelevant to my job. So when I go to my job and I do my job, I'm not basing anything on my job on my personal beliefs. I'm basing my job based on the rules of society and rules of what I have to be teaching. So as a religious person, if they tell me I have to teach Christianity uh, as a religious Jew, and that's part of my job, that I have to teach the Good News Bible during uh, moral religious education, doesn't exist anymore in Quebec, but if it did, uh, and I had to teach the Good News Bible, I could go and speak to my principal and say, look, I'm not really comfortable teaching the Bible, teaching the Christian Bible. Maybe you can find another teacher to do this job. Uh, I can make that choice as an adult. I can make that choice. Or I could choose to teach the Christian Bible. I, I could do either. And yes, the Christian Bible was taught in schools. Uh, anyone who went to a uh, a Protestant school or a Catholic school in the 80s knows that the Christian Bible was taught. It's not taught today, by the way. But I was just using that as a, as a crazy example. So my religious faith shouldn't have anything to do with my job. One is totally separate from the other. I could be a professional and I could be a Jewish person and, and, and one could not relate to the other. And and to think that I could I, I can't be a professional and that I could only be a Jew or only be a professional um, is insulting. Is insulting. I, I, I went through many, many years of education and got multiple degrees from certified universities, which which qualifies me to do the job I'm doing. And if somebody thinks that because I wear a piece of cloth on my head, I'm not capable of differentiating between my professional duties and my religious duties, then that is completely insulting. But that's that's just my opinion. And uh, I'm entitled to it. one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 And to think that... Uh, that you can't trust somebody who's wearing a piece of cloth on their head, out of faith, because uh, because they're religious, so they're they're gonna they're gonna indoctrinate children. It is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard, and once again, it's insulting. It is absolutely insulting to a religious person to say that you have to choose between being religious and being a professional. It's, it's absolutely it's 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 absolutely insulting. But there are people out there who buy into this stuff. And and that's what scares me, that there are people who buy into this stuff, that people agree with this. And agreeing with this means that either one or two things, either you're a racist or, or you're naive. It's one or two of them. Or, or you just like to insult religious people. I mean, okay, so it could be three things. I know how to count. 
But but it's not it's not normal. It's not normal to think that that somebody who's has, who has faith, somebody who's religious, can't do something else that has nothing to do with religion properly because they're wearing a religious symbol. I don't put the yarmulke on my head. I'm not I'm not totally engulfed by uh by 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 a halo of God who, who's telling me what to do every second of every movement that I make. I have free choice. I have free will. And I could choose to to do my job properly, which which I do every single day. So this law is racist and it's insulting, and it shouldn't be supported by anybody. But those people who support it, I suppose, are uh, are people who don't really need these jobs. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We are rapidly running out of time, and uh, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining me. I'm very happy that uh, that that so many people came out to listen on a Sunday night. Uh, I should be back tomorrow night, uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances, and those happen all the time. Uh, I should be on back back on tomorrow night. Uh, and, and every night this week. If I'm not, well, I'll let you know. All right, until tomorrow, have a great night. I'm Howie Silberger. It's the Howie Silberger Show.